0: welcome to another edition of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll. Today is Thursday and we are here today talking and previewing everything going on in the NFL in week three, and we have a loaded show for you guys. I wanted to get into everything surrounding these rookie quarterbacks. We're going to talk about Zach Wilson and the start that he's gotten off to so so far in his young career as a New York Jet. We're going to talk about Justin Fields and the opportunity that he is going to be getting this week in Cleveland, Ohio, as an Ohio State guy, he's familiar with the area. He's going to be making his first career start for the Chicago Bears after a full week of practice as the number one guy. He'll be ready to go, and I can't wait to see uh, what Justin Fields has in store for us as he makes his first career NFL start. We're also going to get into some of the teams that have started 2-0, and the Raiders. We'll talk about the Broncos. Are those teams for real? Should we be buying their 2-0 and start? Also, we'll talk about the teams that have gone 0 2 the Vikings, the Giants, the Colts. Can we trust them going forward in a little buy or sell segment? And we'll be ending today's show the same way we end every Thursday show, picking each and every one of the NFL games coming up in week three. If you want to get in touch with me, the way to do it, you guys already know. The Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. That's where most of my content does end up popping up. Segments from this podcast will be right there. And same with YouTube, uh, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. We had a video blow up last week about the Carolina Panthers and just how well they're playing, how, in my opinion, they're the sleeper team in in the NFC. Appreciate all the Panther fans giving me some good feedback. Feedback on that video. So without further ado, here's another episode here on the Zach Curl Sports Podcast talking football. Have a great one and let's do it. Starting off today's show, we're going to do a segment that came in mind for me when it came to many fans of certain teams asking me about their start. I feel like there have been plenty of teams who have started off 2-0 and their fan bases are wondering, what should I believe Going forward, Should I believe in this team? Is my team real? Is my team fake not to be considered a contender? And then when you look at some 0-2 teams, fans are already asking if their season is over, although after two games. If you missed uh, Tuesday's episode of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast, I gave you an example of a team that started off 2-0 and that I really believe in. That is Matt Rule, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers. They will be in action on Thursday night football tonight going up against the Houston Texans. But we're going to talk some teams that I feel like their surprise start may be for real. It might be fake. But one thing that they share in common is that the fans didn't necessarily expect the start that they got off to. And I wanted to talk about each one of these teams. So without further ado, hit the music. Let's get to it. The first team I'll start off with is the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders are for real. I think they're a playoff team. I really do. And I totally understand that in years past, John Gruden and the Raiders, they've been a team that has gotten off to fast starts. And they've been a team that once the regular season hits week 14, week 15, week 16, they usually don't win. But I've been impressed with their defense to start. I think Max Crosby is one of the 10 best defensive players in the NFL, or at least he's playing like it. Yannick Ngakwe has been a big-time addition there for Vegas. Jonathan Abram is making some big-time hits. And it was clear to me, watching the Raiders against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday at Heinz Field and watching Derek Carr sling the ball all over the field, I was really impressed with the way the Raiders played, especially coming off the Monday night game at home to open that stadium with fans against the Ravens. To be honest, I thought going into Heinz Field on Sunday was going to be a huge letdown spot for the Raiders, but they came to play. Now this week, don't lose to the Miami Dolphins coming into your building with Jacoby Brissett under center. It's a big game for the Raiders, but I'll say this. Their quarterback is playing at a very high level. And Derek Carr, he went to Fresno State. He came into the league, was drafted by a Raider team that wasn't really run properly, and he had... Uh, some good years, his first couple of years in the NFL. But I feel like finally he's getting the respect he deserves when he's put in an all right situation. Like Darren Waller could play. Henry Ruggs could play. Josh Jacobs could play. And John Gruden could coach offense. So the Raiders are a team. I'm definitely uh, looking forward to seeing what they have in store coming up. And I've been really impressed with their 2-0 start. I'm actually buying the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll go to the NFC. And give you a team I'm selling. And it's crazy because they've gotten off to this 2-0 start. And I think if you would have asked me so far after two weeks, who is the most exciting team in the NFL? The answer for me might just be Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And I promise, I'm really not trying to sound like a hater. If you would have just watched Kyler Murray's film throughout the first two weeks of the season, you would have literally thought that this guy is the best player in NFL history. He's that exciting, he's that dynamic, he's that athletic, he's that fast. He's a phenomenal player. But here's the problem. I don't think the style of play Arizona is doing these first two games of the season is going to be able to translate to late December football when they're going up against some of the best defenses in the NFC and really some of the best defenses in their division. Like the 49ers defense could play. The Rams defense could play. I still believe in Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, the Seahawks, the foundation that they have built there. Give me the big game Cliff Kingsbury has won. That Sunday night game against Seattle last year, fine, but what happened to Arizona when they could have taken advantage of that win and made the playoffs? They lost back-to-back games to C.J. Bethard and John Wofford. Everyone tells me how much talent the Cardinals have, and I get it, but at the same time, Cliff Kingsbury, when he was at Texas Tech, He wasn't able to coach a good defense. He hasn't been able to produce a winner ever as a head coach in the NFL. And to be quite honest, the only reason why the Arizona Cardinals were able to beat the Minnesota Vikings in one of the better football games we've seen so far this year is literally because Matt Prater, their kicker, was able to hit a field goal from what 64 yards and the Vikings missed a field goal from 37 that would have won them the game Arizona got lucky to get out of there with a win I totally understand you're never going to apologize for that but I want to see Arizona play Seattle the Rams the Niners and some of the other top teams in the NFC until I'm officially buying stock in them we mentioned the Vikings it seems like a pretty good transition I'm selling the Minnesota Vikings this team has very 6-11 vibes to me, especially after the way they totally choked that game away against the Arizona Cardinals. The Vikings are just a team that causes pain. There's nothing really else to say. Just when you think one thing goes their way, you feel like they're never able to get the job done and they're never, at a get, they're never able to get out of their own way. And it's unfortunate because Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat, especially the way the Vikings have lost their first two games. I think if you're a Viking fan... The most frustrating part is your team hasn't played particularly good in the first two games of the season. And with that being said, you could easily be 2-0. Like, you could have beaten the Bengals in overtime if Dalvin Cook doesn't fumble the football. If your kicker can make a 37-yard field goal, you beat the Arizona Cardinals. And now you have a game against the Seattle Seahawks when they come into your building. And let's be honest, Seattle isn't going to be too happy with the way their game against the Tennessee Titans ended when they choked away a 14-point lead wait in the second half like that clearly didn't sit well with seattle kirk cousins is an all right quarterback i think you could win with him but we know historically how he performs in big games i think this this viking team is out of gas i think mike zimmer as great of a run as he's had they might just need change there and that goes with the gm position as well i don't think rick spillman has done a terrible job generating talent but at the same time for whatever reason it's not working and he needs to do better i'm selling the minnesota vikings The Indianapolis Colts are a very fascinating case study in this. Because this was a team that going into the season, I picked to win the AFC South. And I totally understand that the Carson Wentz haters are going to be in full display just because of the fact that this guy can't stay healthy. The fact that he has two sprained ankles right now, if you're a Colts fan, that's super frustrating. And this is a guy that has gone gotten injured many times throughout his career. But at the same time, I still don't think the Colts regret trading for him for two reasons. One, who else were they going to get? Jacoby Brissett? Let's see how he does under center this week for the Miami Dolphins against the Raiders. And I don't think Jacoby Brissett's a bad quarterback. But the bottom line is, I think outside of the quarterback position, the Colts at least thought with this defense, this offensive line, young weapons like Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, that they were going to be good enough to win the AFC South, and really that roster around quarterback. It, like if Andrew Luck was still the Colts quarterback, I think there is no question about it that this team is a Super Bowl contender. I really believe that. I think everything besides quarterback is there, and given the familiarity that Frank Reich and Carson Wentz had with working with each other, I still don't think the Colts regret it. And it's unfortunate because in that game against the Rams, like, Wentz made some frustrating mistakes, but he was still competitive. He showed some signs. He at least tried to get the Colts back in the game, and Jacob Eason gets put into the game when Colts fans needed their quarterback to make a play the most, and obviously that didn't end well. Um, Once Carson Wentz got hurt on the final drive, you kind of knew the Colts were in trouble, but hey, it's a huge game. No matter who's under center right now, it looks like it's going to be Jacob Eason. However, Carson Wentz hasn't officially been ruled out. Um, Colts-Titans this Sunday. That's just a monster spot for the Indianapolis Colts. If you're a Colts fan, you're going to want to do whatever you can to somehow, someway, find a way to win. You have to play desperate. And there was a good chance that both of these teams going into this spot were going to be 0-2. And the Titans found a way to win. The Colts need to do something similar this Sunday on the road in Nashville. No matter who's under center. I'm buying the Colts, by the way. I think as long as Carson one stays healthy, they're the better team than the Titans. The Denver Broncos are the next team I'll bring up. I think what is the problem for Denver is that, look, I'll give them credit for their hot start. They played really well, and they do deserve credit for winning games this season that they should win. Just because of the fact that last year, there were plenty of games where I feel like the Broncos just flat out didn't show up ready to play. Against opponents they were very capable of beating. And they beat the Giants and the Jaguars. I'm not going to lie, those could be two of the five worst teams in the NFL. I'm, I'm just being honest. And they have the Jets this week. Go beat them, go to 3-0. But then after that, the schedule gets much, much tougher. They have Baltimore. They have Kansas City twice. They obviously have the Raiders twice. They have the Chargers twice. And look, Teddy Bridgewater has played really well throughout the first two games. But I just think when it's third and eight against some of the best defenses in the NFL and you're starting to find yourself in big-time shootouts with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and even Derek Carr throwing into that category, you're going to need your quarterback to make a big-time play. So maybe the Broncos do find their way in the playoffs, especially with a seven-team uh, playoff this year, but the AFC West is still a tough division. I'm not 100% comfortable in saying that the Broncos are better than the Raiders just because their quarterback in Vegas could make plays. And could tear defenses apart in big-time moments. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just not sure if he could do that. Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. I don't necessarily know if I trust Pat Shermer as an offensive play caller, although the Broncos' offense has looked good. Against two of the worst teams in the NFL, I'm just not buying the Broncos right now, especially when their stock is still really high. Only after two okay wins, I'm selling the Denver Broncos. I'm also selling the New York Giants as we end this segment. I told you, that game against Washington that they lost on Thursday Night Football is a game that gets coaches fired. It was that bad. The Giants had so many opportunities to win that game, and they were not able to take advantage of it. And if I'm a Giant fan, that's a problem. The New York Giants, their defense was good last year. It kept them in a lot of games. But against Taylor Heineke, when their defense needed to make big plays, obviously Bradbury had the one big interception. But if you're a Giant fan, it's unfortunate because it didn't even matter because Jason Garrett's play calling was that bad and was that conservative that they didn't even attempt to go for a touchdown. If the Giants score a touchdown there, they win the game. If the Giants execute on the long deep ball to Darius Slayton, they win the game. It's unfortunate because Daniel Jones played a good game overall. I don't think he was the reason why they lost, but... Darius Slayton, that throw wasn't great, but the ball still should have been caught. And if he could just make a play there, the Giants win. And any time in this game, the Giants had a chance to put the Washington football team away, including when Dexter Lawrence got lined up offsides. And I know there's plenty of controversy of whether he was offsides or not. The bottom line is, it shouldn't even have came down to that point. The Washington football team could have been kicked out of that game and kicked to the curb at many points. The Giants refused to do it, and ultimately, they paid for it. I'm selling the Giants. I just don't know if they're going to be mentally tough enough to recover. And the bottom line is this. The Giants haven't won that much in the last three, four years. With this loss, they are now tied, or actually, they have sole possession Of the squad that has the most losses in the NFL within the last four years, that can't happen. Unacceptable loss for the Giants. I'm selling. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I wanted to talk about the New York Jets and their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, along with their first-year head coach, Robert Sala. They obviously had a tough game against the New England Patriots. Not only did the Jets lose 27-6 at home to New England in Week 1, But their rookie quarterback really struggled, Zach, threw four interceptions. And it was an ugly, ugly game for the Jets. And I wanted to talk about it. A lot of people have asked me, which game is worse in your book? Was it this or was it this uh, Monday night game against New England a couple years ago when Sam Darnold was out here seeing ghosts? And the answer for me is that Sam Darnold game was worse just because it was clear he was just having of meltdown that day. He was very confused. He had no idea what the Patriots defense was throwing at him, and he was just trying to make a lot of throws that, to be honest, just weren't capable of being made. He was chucking the ball all over the field, and it obviously wasn't working. The Patriots defense that year with Stephon Gilmore, when he was really still the best corner in the NFL, that defense was insanely good, and I just don't think this Patriots defense is as good as the one we saw on that Monday night. But here's the frustrating part about Zach Wilson's week two performance against the New England Patriots, right? Is I feel like it wasn't a result of the scheme that wasn't getting the job done. The, I still think, and you guys know, I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan. I think he's going to do very well in Carolina, but the main reason for that is because what is around him, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, much improved weapons, and I do think if Sam Darnold was still under center for the New York Jets, he wouldn't be doing much better than Zach Wilson did in week two. The Jets never really gave Sam Darnold a realistic chance to succeed, and When Joe Douglas took over for Mike McCagnin, who did a terrible job drafting for the New York Jets, and when Robert Sala took over for Adam Gaze, we knew that this wasn't going to be quick. It was going to take some time to fix this for the New York Jets. And the Jets really aren't expected by many to win a significant amount of games this year. You kind of just hope they were competitive and they would give fans reason for optimism heading into year two of the Robert Sala, Zach Wilson uh, combination as a head coach and quarterback. But what really frustrated me watching this game against the New England Patriots is that on all of the throws Zach Wilson made, he was really trying to play hero ball, and he was forcing the ball into crazy windows, into double coverage. And when he was making all those throws, like he had available checkdowns, he could have made other throws that Wouldn't necessarily have given the Jets a touchdown, but he would have just been taking what the defense gave him. Kind of like what Mac Jones did on the other sideline for the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick was playing his defense in a zone the whole game and was basically telling Zach Wilson, come on, go and beat me, and Zach Wilson fell for that. And look, it's Bill Belichick. This guy is probably the greatest head coach in the history of of the NFL and one thing about Bill Belichick is that he owns rookie quarterbacks there isn't a guy who is better and that is better of taking advantage of young quarterbacks mistakes than Bill Belichick and it was going to take for some time for Zach we totally understand that but i just think that if he would have just let what the defense uh, gave him if he would have just taken what the defense gave him then the Jets would have been, been in a much better position to win. And I think the frustrating part about this is the Jets, from an outside-the-quarterback perspective, 2-53, to 53, I actually thought they played pretty well in this game. Their offensive line wasn't great. I think at this point we really know what this unit is, especially without Makai Becton. But, but they did everything they really could in this game. You could clearly tell that Robert Sala has the defense coached up and that they're coming ready to play for him each and every week. That's one thing I said... After the Week 1 game against the Carolina Panthers, Zach was alright. He was far from perfect. He played much better in the second half. But I feel like if the Jets were being coached by Adam Gase in that Week 1 game against the Carolina Panthers, then we would have lost that game 45 to nothing. And I am a Jet fan. If you listen to this show, you know that. I want this team to do well more than anything. But you have to be reasonable. You have to be someone that is willing to say, look, this team has been one of the worst teams in the NFL over the last couple years. We mentioned earlier in the first segment with the New York Giants, like New York football just hasn't been particularly good in the last couple of years. And it's a shame because New York is a great place when the Jets and the Giants are playing well, but it's been a while for these two teams and the Jets weren't expected to do much going into the season. But at the same time, Uh, on Sunday with Zach Wilson throwing all those interceptions. I'm not trying to overreact. There are some beat writers like Mike Vaccaro of the New York Daily News who already said with Sam Darnold's hot start and Zach Wilson's struggles that the young quarterback from BYU is on the hot seat already. I just saw that article, and that made me laugh. You really just can't be throwing those narratives out there after two games. I get Zach Wilson didn't play well. And here's the other problem. Robert Sala is a guy... Who I really liked when the Jets hired him as a head coach, right? I think that this is a guy that is really the polar opposite of Adam Gase. He is gonna have his team ready to play each and every week. But he has never been a head coach before. And he's a defensive head coach. When it comes to Mike LaFleur, a guy who was the quarterback's coach in San Francisco with Robert Sala, I really like the offense that he runs in San Francisco and how quarterback-friendly it is. But let's face the facts, this guy is a first time offensive coordinator and the jets backup quarterback right now is mike white a journeyman from western kentucky who let's be honest no one has really ever heard of i don't understand why the jets really didn't give this kid any help and it's funny because i like joe douglas for the most part right i like a lot of the moves he's made at the time but let's face the facts Like, Mike McCagnon did a terrible job drafting with this team. Whether it was Calvin Pryor, whether it was Darren Lee or Christian Hackenberg, like, there were just so many busts under Mike McKagan as GM of the New York Jets that the bar for Joe Douglas to try to set isn't that high like I like the Jamal Adams trade I think it was a good move to get two uh picks back for that guy but at the same time you have to take advantage of those draft picks and in the 2020 draft for Joe Douglas it was his first draft once again I'm not expecting him to turn around this team overnight but let's look at that draft Makai Becton's a good player, but he's injured right now. Denzel Mims, we haven't even gotten into him yet, and we are going to a little bit later in this segment, but there's no reason why this guy isn't on the field. It's, it's almost like there's something personal going on between him and the coaching staff because Zach Wilson needs as many weapons as he, as he possibly could. And I do think overall part of the offseason by Joe Douglas that I liked was bringing in guys like Keelan Cole and drafting Elijah Moore and really trying to give your young quarterback as many weapons as possible but I understand Denzel Mims wasn't healthy in the beginning of last year but towards the back end of last year he saw we saw some flashes of what this guy could do and it's not like it's a separate regime if Joe Douglas wasn't the general manager that drafted Denzel Mims, I would have been much more understandable of the situation. And maybe Denzel Mims just isn't the best practice player. But at the same time, I just think when you saw your young quarterback really struggle on Sunday against the New England Patriots, you have to adjust on the fly and say, we have to do whatever it takes to make our young quarterback as comfortable as possible. Because we just saw Sam Darnold, it was clear it was never going to work in New York. He just needed a change of scenery. New York ate him alive that much because of the Jets. Poor decision-makings from a front office perspective, whether it was hiring Adam Gase to replace Todd Bulls, Like, those two guys are two jokes of a head coach. Sam Darnold never really had a chance to succeed here. And I think to start, I like Robert Sala, but he hasn't proven anything yet. I like Joe Douglas. His 2020 draft class, however, is really nowhere to be found. And Carl Lawson going down in camp, that sucks. Gerard Davis going down in camp, that sucks. Makai Becton getting hurt, like, that's brutal. There are plenty of things that just have not gone the Jets' way so far to start this season. But you have to control what you could control from this point forward. You play the Denver Broncos on Sunday, a defense that has looked pretty good the first couple games of the season. This coaching staff has to adjust the game plan and say, look, just give what the defense takes you you don't have to chuck the ball 20 yards downfield and I feel it's almost like I felt bad for the young quarterback because in that game against the Patriots there was no one really to help him why haven't the Jets signed traded for Nick Foles why haven't we gone out and gotten like an Andy Dalton type guy not a a quarterback who should be starting right away but just an experienced backup to help the kid learn Justin Fields has Andy Dalton Trey Lance has Jimmy Garoppolo even Trevor Lawrence he has CJ Beathard like that's an experience NFL quarterback and Zach Wilson doesn't have that one more thing about Denzel Mims and this coaching staff they want Elijah Moore to be the big play guy they want him to go out there and be the next outside big time wide receiver like Antonio Brown in his prime or even you know some of the best wide receivers you could ever see like Randy Moss like a guy like that But when you put a guy on the outside like that, it takes time. And for me, Elijah Moore looks unguardable in the slot. He looked really good in the snaps that he's taken in the slot, but the Jets want to turn him into this big play guy. I get it. But when you have a young quarterback that's failing to make the right decisions and failing to make the comfortable throws – Having Denzel Mims, a 6'2 wide receiver who could high point the football and make big time plays, I just think that's a guy that if you put on the outside along with Corey Davis, put uh, Elijah Moore in the slot where he's going to be out here against the linebackers and winning that matchup most of every time. I also really like what we've seen from the young rookie running back, Michael Carter from North Carolina. The Jets haven't had a running back in a, it feels like a while. Combine him with Ty Johnson. Maybe you got a nice one-two punch going there. I think that if the quarterback could just take a deep breath with the way the defense has already played for this head coach, it doesn't have to be that bad. The frustrating thing was Zach Wilson, he just was struggling against the Bill Belichick defense, and you expect that to happen. This Patriots team coming off a loss against the Miami Dolphins, that's a game they really should have won. They, uh, they were hungry, they were motivated, they were ready to go, and Bill Belichick is just one of the best defensive minds ever, probably the best defensive mind ever, and Mac Jones, I don't want to hear the comparisons with him and Zach Wilson already just because it's apparently obvious the situation Mac Jones is in is just much better than Zach Wilson's. He has a good running game, he has one of the best offensive lines in the league, And he has Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels on his sideline. Zach Wilson doesn't even have an experienced backup quarterback to go to. So rather than the four interceptions, that's not even what I'm really most upset about. We expected Zach Wilson to have some growing pains throughout the season. My concern is that there was no one there to really help him. Joe Douglas, I like him as a GM, but let's be honest, his draft class in 2020 hasn't gotten off to the best start. Obviously, you're going to give that more time to see before we give a real final evaluation on that 2020 draft class and it was just a tough loss to the new england patriots um i just wish we had a backup quarterback that could help this young kid especially with the first year head coach who is known for being a defensive guy and a first year offensive coordinator and michael for jets have denver this week if zach wilson is out here forcing the ball into just Tight windows, we're not going to be able to get it done, and it's going to be a tough loss. I just want to see an improved game plan on offense on Sunday for the Jets in Denver. Moving on to the next segment of today's show, I wanted to talk about the major announcement that was made in the city of Chicago when it comes to their quarterback as. Bears head coach Matt Nagy has announced that Justin Fields, the rookie first-round pick from Ohio State, will be the Bears' starting quarterback in their Week 3 matchup against the Cleveland Browns on the road. And we have plenty to react uh, from this decision. I'll start off by saying this. I'm a big believer when it comes to the NFL in 2021 that even though it obviously isn't easy for a rookie quarterback to come in right away and learn the offense and and be good and as a rookie. It's tough. I don't think everyone is expecting Justin Fields to be the next Andrew Luck and lead a team with head coach Chuck Pagano, who Bears fans are very familiar with, and Ryan Grigson is their GM. Like I don't think anyone was expecting Justin Fields to come in right away and be the next Andrew Luck. But I'm a big believer, when you have a young quarterback, you have to take advantage of, of the window they're in and i think that's very possible at least more likely happening today opposed to 10 15 20 years ago because quarterbacks are brought into college from these height from these satellite camps that go on while they're in high school and they just have a better idea of how to read pro level defenses they have a much better idea and they are running much more college-friendly offenses in the NFL today than they did during that time 10, 20, 15 years ago. And when it comes to Justin Fields and the Bears, the Bears' roster certainly isn't perfect, right? I think their defense, while it was one of the best defenses in the league two, three years ago when Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, all those guys were there and they were one of the best defenses in the NFL – Over the past year or two, the Bears' defense has been a little disappointing. Not to say that they've been a bad unit, but they haven't really been able to carry the team to victories like they were two years ago. At the same time, it is totally fair for you to make the argument that Mitch Trubisky was just that bad as a starting quarterback, and that's why the the Bears' teams of the last two years just hasn't been good. But when it comes to Justin Fields... I guess I understand the narrative and the reasoning as to why Andy Dalton started their week one game against the Los Angeles Rams. That was a tough spot. And when you consider the fact that the Bears, even though their offensive line has played okay, at least better than it's expected to start the season, I understood the nerds. Putting, behind Justin, putting Justin Fields behind that Bears offensive line who no one really expected to be good, going up against the Rams' ferocious defensive line uh, and Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, like guys that could just clearly get to the quarterback. But it's week three, and if you look at the Bears' schedule, they are approaching the softer part of it. After their game in week two against the Cincinnati Bengals, which they were able to win, they now sit... Uh, with the record of 1-1, one in one, tied for first place at the top of the NFC North with uh, their rivals, the Green Bay Packers. But their next couple games, it's at Cleveland, home against Detroit, at the Raiders. And I get the Raiders have been playing really well, and their defense has been playing really well, but I don't think the Raiders' defense is that tough of a matchup for quarterbacks especially when you compare it to some of the other defenses in the NFL and basically the point I'm trying to make here is that I think if the Bears were ever gonna let Justin Fields play early this would be the time to do it and just let him gain some confidence if I'm the Chicago Bears and look I don't think the Bears situation around their quarterback isn't as bad as what we've been seeing with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville and what we've been seeing with Zach Wilson in New York Obviously, both of those young quarterbacks are struggling right now. And I think the situation that's going on around them has a lot to do with it. I don't think the Bears situation is that bad, even though it's far from ideal. I get their offensive line isn't great, but Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery is a really good running back. And Matt Nagy, I understand he has been disappointing as a head coach over the last couple of years. I did like some of the offensive schemes he was showing in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think the Bears need to use the struggles of the young quarterbacks like Wilson and Lawrence in the league to their advantage and say, OK, we have to learn and we have to coach up our young quarterback and tell him that he doesn't have to win the game every play by himself. He just needs to take what the defense gives him and just get adjusted into the game, make all of the easy throws that you have to make. Because here's the thing with Justin Fields, right? I have no doubt, From an athleticism and from a physical perspective, this guy is ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. I have no doubt about that. He is one of the three or four fastest quarterbacks in the league. He has a really strong arm. He is used to playing in front of big crowds in big games like he was able to do at Ohio State and at Georgia. Uh, I'm still really surprised, to be honest, he fell in the NFL draft to the Chicago Bears. They had the number 12 pick. So... I think from a physical perspective, Justin Fields is all set and ready to go. Where the problems come in is that we just don't know if he knows the playbook 100%. And we saw the one big hit. That he took in that preseason game against the Buffalo Bills, and if you're a Bears fan, like that is the one thing. If Justin Fields is on the field, you don't want to see. You don't want to see him getting absolutely lit up by defenses, almost in a similar way that uh, Tua Tagovailoa played against the Buffalo Bills on the on his injury that uh, got him a, a couple of his ribs. Like Tua got dodged by that defensive player and that is something that you do not want to see happen to your young quarterback so as long as Justin Fields is ready and is capable and I totally understand the only real guy that knows the answer to that is Matt Nagy but at the same time if you're the Bears I feel like you would have to prioritize getting Justin Fields ready and as used to the playbook as soon as you possibly can just because your window around your young rookie quarterback it's open and You have a real opportunity, especially with Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Jackson on your defense. Like I understand your defense isn't as good as it once used to be, but I feel like if Justin Fields develops and becomes a really good quarterback, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bears are in the playoffs sooner rather than later. And I know I mentioned Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and just the terrible situations they've been in, but at the same time, look at some of the other quarterbacks around the league that actually play for competent and smart-run organizations and what they've accomplished throughout the first couple years of their NFL career. Patrick Mahomes won an MVP in his second season in the NFL, and it was only his first year as the starting quarterback, and I know you're going to say uh, – Alex Smith was the starting quarterback for Kansas City to start off that season. And if Mahomes doesn't sit out that one year, who knows if he wins the MVP? That, uh, that's true, but that's just a totally different circumstance because when you looked at the Kansas City Chiefs, Alex Smith was a quarterback that was winning playoff games left and right. He was always a consistent winner for the Kansas City Chiefs. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes was playing in the Big 12, and really, up to that point, we had just never seen a Big 12 quarterback come into the NFL right away and be able to take the job and run with it. We also look at Lamar Jackson. He's a guy that has won... Uh, in his second year, an MVP in year two. He also led his team to the playoffs in year three. We've seen flashes of excellence from guys like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And look, it's funny. Justin Herbert, his offensive line around him last year was terrible. Anthony Lynn still doesn't know how to manage the clock. I'm sure you guys saw that on Monday Night Football uh, the other night. And originally, the Chargers were going with Tyrod Taylor under center. And Justin Herbert didn't have a full preseason. He didn't have a normal training camp with COVID and everything that was going on there. He really... Didn't have the ideal start to his rookie season, but he comes in right away, and what happens? He throws, what, 36 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and becomes the offensive rookie of the year. And for the first time, really, since the Chargers moved to Los Angeles, there seems to be some notable buzz about this Charger team, really thanks to their young quarterback in Justin Herbert. And I think that is a lesson that when it comes to the Chicago Bears and the development of Justin Fields, Obviously, if he is not ready, you're not going to play him right away if he doesn't know the playbook, if he's not 100% comfortable. And if you're, as a head coach in Matt Nagy, not 100% comfortable in playing him. But at the same time, Justin Fields is a guy that you drafted uh, in the first round for a reason, because you think that there's a good chance he could take over this franchise quarterback position and run with it and be a really good leader on the football field, because no one is saying from a physical perspective, he can't do it all. It's just the mental part now. And I think as a quarterback, he's just going to have to show that he could take advantage of it. And look, this matchup against Cleveland on the road in week three, it's not an ideal matchup. I'm not expecting Justin Fields to come in and light the world on fire right away. But at the same time, I do think that the experience is going to be good for him. And maybe this provides a spark to the bears in the locker room. There are plenty of people in that locker room. I'm sure that think when you compare Justin Fields to Andy Dalton from a physical perspective, Justin Fields is clearly the better guy. And Andy Dalton, he's had an all right career. Like he did some really good things in Cincinnati when he had guys like AJ Green and uh, Jeremy Hill in his prime around him. Like those Bengals teams were really good. But at the same time, that is six, seven years ago now. And you have a young quarterback in Justin Fields that from a physical perspective is ready. Um, it's just the question is, is he comfortable mentally and does he know how to make all the plays for this Bears offense? And Matt Nagy even said that when both quarterbacks are healthy, he does expect Andy Dalton to be the guy. I'll say this. If Justin Fields could lead the Bears On the road in Cleveland to a win somehow, some way in week three, right now, the Browns are a seven point favorite. Then this job is going to be his if he beats the Lions at home in week four, which is a game that I believe the Bears really should win no matter who is under center. They then go to the Raiders, they host the Packers, go to Tampa Bay, host the Niners. Like the schedule will get a little bit harder from there, but at the same time, I just think Justin Fields needs the experience. He needs the growing pains, and if he's going to mess up, it is better that he learns those lessons sooner rather than later. And once again, if you wanted to start Andy Dalton for the week one game against the Los Angeles Rams, I get it. It was a tough spot. Uh, I personally would have started Justin Fields, but okay, you didn't believe in your offensive line. You are playing on the road on Sunday night football against one of the best teams in the nfl but if i'm a bears guy right now i'm fully expecting justin fields to be the starting quarterback from now till the next 20 years like this is his job now it should be his time to run with it and if i'm a bears fan i'm excited to see how the justin fields era starts i understand that game against the bengals wasn't ideal he made some plays but he really wasn't great he wasn't spectacular but now with the full week of a game plan, being executed, a full week of practice as the QB1, Justin Fields should be ready to go and should be ready to take this opportunity against the Cleveland Browns. I hope Andy Dalton gets better. Obviously, it sucks. He was told that he was the QB1 in Chicago, but then in the draft, Justin Fields end up ends up falling to the Bears, and uh, we know the rest is history. I will say, though, in the NFL, you shouldn't take promises like that too seriously just because things change on such an often basis – Maybe the Bears did think that their best way to win this year was taking a gap year with Andy Dalton and then searching for their next quarterback, but it turns out their next quarterback really just fell into their lap. And uh, it's Justin Fields' time in Chicago. I'm really excited to see how this era unfolds. Moving on to the last and final segment of today's show. It is now time to predict each and every game in the NFL in week number three if you've missed it throughout the first two weeks of the season we've gone nine and seven each week and you know we have to be better than that nine and seven we're aiming for 11 and five 12 and four 13 and three when it comes to picking these games but i love doing it i love talking about each one of these games a full 16 game slate on the docket for week three starting with thursday night football tonight without further ado hit the music it's time to pick some games Starting off with Thursday night football in week number three. A team that we've spoken about a lot on this show over the last couple days. It is the Carolina Panthers. They will go into this game with a record of 2-0. Heading to Houston, taking on the 1-1 Texans. Tyrod Taylor will be out and not playing under center for the Texans in this one as the rookie quarterback Davis Mills gets the start. I'm going with the Panthers. I just think they're the better team. And I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor, that after waiting a lot of years throughout his career, he's been waiting to be that starting quarterback. And unfortunately, just when things look good, he gets knocked out of that game against Cleveland, and he's going to be out for the next couple weeks. I just think Carolina's the better coach team. They're the more talented team. And you guys know, I think the Panthers have one of the best eight defenses in the NFL. I think it's that good. Brian Burns is a stud. I love everything that rule has done since he's gotten to Carolina, putting Sam Darnold in a position to win. I will go with the Panthers to get the win over the Texans. Let's go to the 1 o'clock games, and let's start off with, in my opinion, the most fascinating 1 o'clock game, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're coming off a tough loss to the Dallas Cowboys. They sit at 1-1. They're heading to Arrowhead Stadium, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs who also sit in 1-1, and who also had a pretty tough loss in week number two on Sunday Night Football to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going with the Chiefs in this one. They're at home, and I totally understand. I think these two quarterbacks are much closer than everyone thinks. It's just the Chiefs coming off a loss. The Holmes never loses in September. And I get people have their worries about the Chiefs coming off of their tough week two loss to the Ravens. But just think about the amount of things that had to go wrong for Kansas City in order for them to lose that game. Lamar Jackson throws the couple interceptions to start, but Baltimore just kept on coming back and coming back after the big Kelsey touchdown, after the long touchdown to Demarcus Robinson. There were plenty of opportunities throughout this Sunday night football game where you were just like, all right, like Kansas City's got it in the bag. Now, credit to Baltimore. They made plenty of plays and got the job done. They got the win, and they deserve credit. And then they also forced a couple turnovers, one on that Mahomes interception, which honestly could have been the worst Mah- uh, interception of Patrick Mahomes' career. Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbles the ball when literally the only thing he couldn't do if he wanted to win that game for the Kansas City Chiefs, was fumble the ball there. That sucks, but there were plenty of things that had to go wrong for Kansas City in order to lose that game. For the Chargers, the penalties just killed them. I thought that Justin Herbert played fine. I think the Chargers are going to be fine. I think Brandon Staley is a fine coach. But that is just a game that the Chargers in recent years have really just always found a way to lose. And I think there is way too much top-notch talent on this team between Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Derwin James and Joey Bosa. Like, that is as good as a group of core players you're really ever going to find in the NFL. I just think going to Arrowhead against Mahomes, coming off a loss, I will take the Chiefs to beat the Chargers. Continuing with the 1 o'clock games, let's get to another battle between the 1-1 teams. We'll have the New Orleans Saints They're on the road heading to Foxborough, taking on the Patriots. And this is an interesting one, because I feel like the Patriots could easily be 2-0, but at the same time, they dominated the Jets last week. We knew the Jets really weren't ever going to win that game, especially with New England coming off a loss. And the Saints came to play in Week 1, but who knows where exactly the Packers' focus was at, and they got blown out in Week 2. I'm going to take the Patriots in this game. I think that Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, Damian Harris, and that defense playing in Foxborough is going to be enough to frustrate Jameis a little bit, force him into a couple of turnovers, and I'm just going to take the more simpler offense. Now, I think Mac Jones, as your starting quarterback, especially as a rookie, does put a little bit of a ceiling on your team if you are the New England Patriots, but at the same time against the Saints team that is very prone to turning the ball over and you have one of the better defenses in the NFL. I'm going to take New England to win this game. And the Patriots are still a team that I don't have that great of a feeling on just yet. I wouldn't be shocked if they made the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs. I think it really is just going to depend if as long as Mac Jones keeps on just playing stout football and not turning the ball over I think it will depend on their defense, and if they can just keep on playing at a high level. If their offense wants to keep this up, I obviously like their running game, and they were impressive against the Jets, forcing young Zach Wilson into that many turnovers. I will go with New England to get the win over New Orleans. The Saints are a tricky team to evaluate right now just because of the hurricane and the fact that they don't really have a home stadium right now. Uh, Their schedule gets a little bit easier down the stretch, but they still have to play Tampa Bay twice. We saw how they matched up against Carolina. Right now, if you ask me who is the better team between Carolina and New Orleans, the answer for me would be Carolina, and I was saying that before they even played. The next 1 o'clock game, another battle. Between two 1-1 one one teams, Joe Burrow leads the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in an AFC North divisional matchup, heading to Heinz Field, taking on the Steelers, and Ben Roethlisberger is not a guarantee to play in this game. I think if you're a Bengal fan, that might just be the door you need. The fact that there is a very good chance, whether Ben Roethlisberger plays in this game or not, that you're going to have the better quarterback. Here's the worry. It's not 100% that T.J. Watt is going to play for the Steelers. Even if he doesn't, though, we all agree this Bengals offensive line is a disgrace and a big worry for their team going forward. I totally understand Jamar Chase has had a couple really good games to start off his NFL career, but we saw in that game against the Bears, like, the Bengals couldn't block. And I feel for Joe Burrow because whenever the conversation comes up, about the best young quarterbacks in the league, right? We obviously talk about Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, but even guys like Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, for some reason, Joe Burrow is never in that conversation. And the reason why is because the franchise and the organization around him sucks, and it's unfair. I think Joe Burrow is a quarterback that is good enough to win games for his team by himself, but he just literally doesn't have an offensive line. I'm going to take the Steelers. Playing at home, I feel like they it's going to be tough for them to lose back-to-back home games, especially against teams they should really beat, and the Steelers got off to a really nice start to the season in Week 1. I think they find a way to pick up that momentum again and beat the Bengals, but I think it's going to be a close game. I really do, especially being a divisional matchup. We always know how close those matchups usually are. Continuing with the 1 o'clock games, another battle between two 1-1 teams. The Washington football team, they're coming off a big win on Thursday night football against the Giants. They're heading on the road to Orchard Park, New York, taking on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills at home in this game, but I will say, I'm kind of concerned about the Bills. And you're going to say, Zach, how are you concerned about the Bills after they just beat your Miami Dolphins, the team that I picked to win the AFC East? And not only do they beat them, they won thirty-five to nothing, and the game wasn't that close. Here's the problem: if you watch the game, the reason why the score ended up being thirty-five nothing wasn't really because the Bills were just running Miami out of the building. It's just because the Dolphins were screwing up on their own part. They made so many self-inflicted mistakes, and I like Taylor Heineke for Washington. I do. I think that he should have been named the starter from the beginning over Ryan Fitzpatrick just because he gives the team a little bit more of a threat with his legs. He can throw the football. And Washington, they need a quarterback no matter how good their defense is. I like their defense, but it hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype to start the season. I'll take Buffalo in this game. I think it's going to be closer than it's expected. The spread, I believe, is eight and a half to nine. I'll take Washington to cover that. But I think Buffalo playing at home after the way they played at home in week one, I think the Bills get back in the win column and get the W over Washington. Let's get involved with the game with an 0-2 team. That's the Indianapolis Colts. They will be on the road in an AFC South clash against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee, they could easily be 0-2 as well, but had a big-time comeback win against Seattle. It was great to see Derrick Henry back running the football uh, like his old self. It's an unknown if Carson Wentz is going to play in this game. And to be honest... Even if he was playing, I would still take Tennessee because it's just hard to trust this guy right now. I totally understand that throughout his career, Frank Reich has been a guy who's been known to getting off to really good starts. But they had chances to beat Seattle. They had chances to beat the Rams, and they couldn't do it. Tennessee is not some juggernaut team, in my opinion. I still think even if they lose this game, as crazy as it may sound, this division is not over for Indianapolis. I trust Frank Wright that much as a head coach, and I really wouldn't be shocked if the Colts find a way to win this game. But right now, I just think the Titans playing at home, they're in much better form, especially considering the unknown status of Carson Wentz. I just don't know if at this point in his career, Jacob Eason is going to be a quarterback that's ready to put the Colts on his back and lead them to victories. I will take Tennessee, and really my main conclusion is the AFC South as a division in general really isn't good. I think it's wide open because all four teams, none of them is great. Moving on to the next 1 o'clock game, let's talk a little bit about Justin Fields, the quarterback that we just mentioned at the start of this show. He'll be making his NFL debut on the road for Chicago. The Bears are sitting at 1-1. They will take on the 1-1 Cleveland Browns. And I just think, as I mentioned earlier, the Bears need to let Justin Fields know it's okay if you don't throw a touchdown every play. It's okay to throw the ball away. Even if we punt a couple times, it's fine. Just don't turn the ball over against a really good Browns defense. I was impressed with what Cleveland did in week two against Houston. They had some adversity early, including Baker Mayfield. It looked like he may have been hurt, but he came back. Houston uh, was able to keep the game close in the beginning, but Cleveland ultimately just uh, put their foot on the gas. I expect them to do the same thing in this game. Look, the Bears played well against the Bengals. It was one of the better games their defense played in a really long time. But at the same time, I think the Browns are just a different animal than the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this offense is too good. I think this team is too good. I think Cleveland is going to win a lot of football games. i like them to beat Chicago and go to 2-1. The Baltimore Ravens, they will be on the road sitting with a record of 1-1 following their big-time win on Sunday night football against the Chiefs. They will head to Detroit to take on the Lions. They're sitting at 0-2, and it's crazy Because if you're a Raven fan, Lamar Jackson actually missed practice today because he is sore on his hip after the crazy touchdown flip into the end zone against Kansas City. I think Lamar Jackson plays. I think the Ravens win. Uh, Even though the Lions play hard, Dan Campbell's in a tough spot. He wasn't going to be able to fix this team around in one year. He has his team playing tough, but I like Baltimore over Detroit. Another game between two teams that are struggling. This is the only battle of Owen two teams in the NFL, in the NFC, as the Falcons. They will head on the road to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. And I'm going to take the Giants in this game. They're the tougher team. They're better on defense. They're at home. But with that being said, I don't trust either of these teams going forward. I think these are two of the five worst teams in the NFL. Atlanta competed with Tampa Bay. For a second, they got themselves back into it, but their defense just fell apart. And even though the Giants really gave that Thursday night football game away to Washington, I did like how Daniel Jones played. I'm not going to lie. I watch Matt Ryan, and I'm not really sure at this point in his career how much he has left. New York football needs something positive. I will take the Giants to beat the Falcons. The final 1 o'clock game will go over the Arizona Cardinals. They're sitting with the record of 2-0 after a crazy game and a crazy win over the Minnesota Vikings. They will be heading on the road to Jacksonville to take on Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, who are still looking for their first win of the season. I'll take Arizona in this game. I think they are the better team. Kyler Murray, at this point, is the more explosive quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence has struggled. It's not to his own doing. I think Urban Meyer, the more I see him, the worse his body language gets. He's already out here quoting and saying that playing in the NFL and coaching in the NFL is like playing Alabama each and every week. Not going to lie. That's just not what I want to hear from an NFL head coach in Urban Meyer. I will take the Arizona Cardinals, even considering that it's going to be a West Coast team coming east, to get the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go to the four o'clock games. Zach Wilson, he tries to get back to normal as they will head to Denver, the Jets, taking on the Broncos, and Denver's 2-0. This will be their home opener. We obviously saw just how terrible Zach Wilson looked in week two against the Patriots, and I do think he's going to get better. I do think, hopefully, this coaching staff is going to coach him up throughout this week of practice and say, you don't have to play hero ball, just take what the defense gives you and let your playmakers make some plays. With that being said, Denver at home, if they want to be taken seriously as a playoff team, I think this is a game they have to have. I think they do. I will take Denver to get the win over the Jets. They are one of the more heavy favorites this week. And I just want to see the Jets play competitive football, give a good effort, we know what the deal is for this season. It obviously hasn't been the best start. The next four o five game between AFC teams, the Miami Dolphins, it will be Jacoby Brissett starting under center for Miami. They will head to Vegas taking on Derek Carr and the 2-0 Raiders. And look, I just spent uh, a brief portion of the first segment of the show talking about the Raiders and how impressed I've been with their start of the season. And Derek Carr has a lot to do with that. Let's beat Miami, man. This is a Raider team that lost a heartbreaking game to the Miami Dolphins last year. It was really a game they should have won. And I guess you could make the argument that Jacoby Brissett does give Miami a little bit more threat on the offensive side of the ball than Tua Tagovailoa. Like, you could totally make that argument. But at the same time, I don't necessarily believe that he is good enough to beat the Raiders and outduel Derek Carr. I like Miami's defense. I like Brian Flores. But I just think this team is in a tough spot going on the road to Vegas without their starting quarterback, Tug of Iloa. I do think that long-term he can still be a solid quarterback. But Miami's offensive line is just shot right now. I think the Raiders have the advantage there. I would take the Raiders and Coach Gruden to get in the win column and go to 3-0. and And it's going to be a question that services for a while now. Who's the better team, Miami or excuse me, Denver or the Raiders? And it's crazy because the AFC West is that good of a division. It's competitive, man. I'm curious to see what goes down there. The game of the week, 425. In my opinion, the two best teams in the NFC. 2-0 Tampa Bay, 2-0 Rams. I'll take the Rams. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a great game. I think if any defense could stop Tampa Bay and their offense, it might just be the Los Angeles Rams. And look. The Buccaneers' defense hasn't really been able to stop anyone either. Matthew Stafford has been playing some really good football, and I actually expect that to continue. I think that Cooper Cup is going to go off again. He'll have a nice game. The Rams will run the ball with Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle, who looked pretty good of late. And playing at home at SoFi Stadium, I like the Rams and Sean McVay to go out there and get the W. These two teams played last year in Tampa Bay. The Rams were able to get the job done. I think Aaron Donald comes to play. I'll take the Rams over the Bucks. Seattle. They're sitting at 1-1 one one after they just gave away a frustrating game at home to the Tennessee Titans. They'll be heading to Minnesota taking on Kirk Cousins and the 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is now a question mark to play in this one. And I'll take Seattle. I think they're the better team. I think Mike Zimmer's seat could be hot. I told you earlier that I am selling my stock in the Minnesota Vikings. I wouldn't buy them. I think that they have some 6-11, 5-12 vibes around them to me. Uh, Mike Zimmer, I think, will be gone by season's end. And look, Seattle wins regular season games. I know they gave the game away against Tennessee, but Shane Waldron knows what he's doing. He's a guy coming from the Rams who I trust. I'll take Seattle to go on the road to Minnesota and get the win. Sunday Night Football. Speaking of a Sean McVay assistant, that is actually the description for new Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry. And I'm not going to lie, in that game against the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football, especially in the first half, I was kind of concerned about Green Bay. And I know they won the game. Aaron Rodgers was swinging the ball all over the field in the second half. Aaron Jones looked really good. Devontae Adams was looking good. But Green Bay never plays well in San Francisco. And they're going to be taking on the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. And look, San Francisco has been a team that has played on the East Coast to start their season. They haven't been at home yet. And I'm curious to see how they play in front of this home crowd. And their two wins to start the season off haven't necessarily been pretty. But I like what I've been seeing from the San Francisco 49ers Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played great. I think by season's end, we will see Trey Lance under center as the quarterback in San Francisco. And obviously, the injuries are concerning. But Nick Bosa looks healthy. He's ready to go. Fred Warner looks ready to go. The Packers historically never play well in San Francisco. I know they won there last year. But that's when the 49ers, uh, their whole team was injured from COVID. I'm going to take the Niners to get the win on Sunday Night Football over the Packers. And then we'll end this segment with some Monday Night Football talk. This is a good game. Two teams in the NFC East, Philadelphia and Dallas. I think you could reasonably make the argument that these two teams are the two best teams in the NFC East, even though I do think by season's end, Washington will be right there in the conversation. And Philly, I don't really know what they are yet. They looked really good in Week 1, albeit against a terrible Atlanta team. Dallas, they could easily be 2-0 right now. But they could easily be 0-2 right now. And I think they were able to do a good job to take advantage of the penalties that the Chargers were having in that game. And they won and they deserve credit. But Mike McCarthy's clock management towards the end was terrible. I feel like even though Dallas should be the consensus favorite to win the NFC East, I don't necessarily trust them to do that just yet. But with that being said, I'll take them at home to win this game. They have the better quarterback playing at home. Their defense looked okay against the Chargers, only giving up 17 points, forcing some turnovers. Micah Parsons making the transition to defensive end. I don't think he's going to be able to do that as naturally in this matchup against Philly just because their offensive line is better. If he could dominate a rookie Charger tackle, that's fine. But let's see him do it against a guy like Wayne Johnson who's been in the league for a while. Uh, With that being said, though, I'll take Dallas. I think Dak and Tony Pollard will make enough plays. Dallas has an interesting problem considering they're paying Zeke $90 million, and Tony Pollard looks like the better running back. So we got my picks. Thursday Night Football. I'll go Caroline over Houston. In the 1 o'clock slate, Kansas City over the Chargers. Patriots over the Saints. Steelers over the Bengals. Bills over Washington. Titans over Colts. Browns over Bears. Ravens over Lions. Giants over Falcons. Cards over Jags. Broncos over the Jets the Raiders over Miami, go Rams over Bucks, Seahawks over Vikings, Niners over Packers, and Cowboys over Eagles. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all the sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show thanks for listening once again if you want to get in contact with me the instagram z-a-c underscore k-r-u-l-l twitter at z-k-r-u-l-l-3 youtube z-a-c-h-a-r-y k-r-u-l-l this was the zach krull sports podcast everyone have a good one